You hearing me? Yeah. I want to be in the light because you are in the light. I want to shine like a stars in the heavens. Some of you are old school DC Talk fans, and when that song came on, it took you instantly back to 1993. I was I was born before 1993. I was 13 though. So I want to I want if you have your message map, I want you to take it out real quick. We're going to do something real fast that we, that we do the, the fourth Sunday of every month. And to those of you that are, that are new with us, I want to explain this to you. Um, on the, if you just open it straight up, uh, on the, it says, touch someone's life gift. On the fourth Sunday of every month, we're looking, and believe me, if, you're, if you are a guest here, we are not asking for your money. Okay? We, we want you to just watch, watch what Connection is striving to do. Connection is a church that's striving to be different and culturally relevant. What we do on the fourth Sunday is we, co- we collect some money, uh, quarters, nickels, dimes, dollars, whatever. And it goes and gets counted. When it comes back up here at the end of the service, I will, I'll pick some of one, one person, or if it's enough, we'll have two people. And I have some instructions for them. And what they're going to do is they're going to go out into the community, and they're going to give that money away. No catch. No strings. Why? Because connection is seeking to be relevant, and it's seeking to get up close and personal with our community and tell them that we love them, but much more than we love them, that God loves them and he has a purpose for them. That's why we're doing this. So in a second, I'm going to have, if you guys want to go ahead and get ready along the sides of the aisles. And while they're collecting that, One thing I forgot to mention, I'm sorry. If that bag goes by you, and there's not enough in your bank account this month to make that payment on the water or a necessity in your life, it's going to make you feel awkward. But if you need that, you just take what you need out of that bag. See, not, not a whole lot of churches are going are, are gonna to tell you that, but I just want to tell you that we're different. If it's your first time with us, if you've been here for five years with us, I just want to revisit that, that we are seeking to be culturally different and relevant in this society. We're going to be in the book of 1 John this morning. 1 John is in towards the back page of your Bible. If you have a Bible just like mine, it's on one, page 1,000. If you have a Bible from the hallway, it's on page 209. Listen, the, the easiest way to find 1 John is to go right here to your table of contents. Look at the page number and look it up. If you want to go to the very back of your Bible, you'll find Revelation, Jude. Go in reverse, 3rd, 2nd, 1st John. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 1. The light bulb video that you saw at the very beginning of the, of the service, if you, were, if you were in here before Lee led us in worship, and, and he, uh, he, had, he did have to leave. But I want, I want, to, I want to show you something. He, he doesn't live in Mount Vernon. He drives quite a ways to church every Sunday, and he is very faithful, as, long, as well as the other band members. 
but Lee had a, prior, a priority that he had to be at. But he said, if you need me, I will be there. I will lead as long as I can go right after that. I tell you what, next Sunday when you see him, I want you to tell, I want you to tell him that you appreciate him. Because what he said went right over some of, your, some of people's heads that were probably in here. I want to reverse and say, he said he was going to give everything that he had to God because he deserved the glory for it and what he had. See, Lee chose, Lee chose to step into the light and be used by God. Be in the spotlight. Listen, we're looking for keyboardists and singers and drummers and electric guitar players and bass and ukulele and harmonica and violin and or I don't I don't care. We're looking for other people. If you want if you're one interested in the worship aspect of things, come and see me sometime. Email me. My phone number is in the message map. Call me. Use what God has given you. It's a challenge, man. He he said a whole lot and he didn't know what I was preaching on. So if you have a New Testament and from the hallway it's page two oh nine. It says, we're going we're gonna to look in history. We're going to look in history today. Well, uh, yeah, I know, Matt, that the Bible is history. Okay, I get that. But the, also, the Bible is also relevant. We're going to look back, and we're going to take a look at these people's lives and how they're not so much different than we are. We're looking at a time in history when Jesus had already came to earth. Okay, so Jesus set the stage. Jesus has already come to earth. He's done his ministry. They crucified him. God raised him from the dead, and he has... Ascended back to the Father in heaven. Okay? He is in heaven when we read this in 1 John. It said there are many people whom Jesus taught. So if, if we were all followers of Jesus and, and we had been following Jesus around during his ministry and we had been taught by Jesus, more than likely, if we want to listen and to apply what he said to them, they are, they are starting new churches. They are starting new works. They are starting uh, to be different. They are being changed. The number one thing that we have to understand here is when Jesus encounters your life and you let him, you will be changed. Changed to a point that in Jewish culture was radically, radically different. See, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he tore, okay, God, it, says in the, it says in the Bible that, that the Jewish people had a holy of holies, and that's where the high priest would go on the high holy day, one day a year, okay, and he would go in there and he would, he would converse with God, offer sacrifices that were pleasing to God. When Jesus was raised from the dead, there, it said there was lightning and earthquakes, and that curtain was ripped from the top to the bottom. Why? Because no man can grab it from the top and rip it to the bottom. We're talking a huge structure. Now, why did he do that? Because we have free access. He let God out of the curtain. Okay? God is everywhere now. And that's what Jesus was, was, was speaking about. But we have to remember that the message of Jesus to these people was different than what they had ever heard. If they believed in Jesus and did what he said, it would require them to, what's the C word, change. The word change scares us to death. Guess what? It scared them to death. Some of you would, maybe some of you just short of calling 911, if I got into your house and I moved your recliner in your living room, some of you might call the police on me. I tell you what, I came in 
I came into my to our bedroom uh, last night, and and Mary had arranged my the top of my dresser. Very nice. And I was like, whoa. If you know me, I'm not the most organized. I'm trying, but uh, but it was different. It was there was a change. The word change is difficult for us sometimes. It is very difficult for us in areas of our life that we think we have control over. I have control over my time. These are lies that we tell ourselves. I have control over my time. I have control over my money. My speech, I can say what I want to say. My thoughts, I can think what I want to think. And my actions, I can do what I want, when I want it, when I want it. It's not you that are controlling me, God. I'm going to do what I want to do. If we dig down deep inside of us, we can understand and relate with these people exactly. To flip that, what if we allowed God to come into our life and to completely radically change the way that we thought, talked, acted, listened, was a friend, was a mate, boyfriend, girlfriend, the book of 1 John, I talked, to, I talked with, a, with a gentleman in the hallway this morning. And I said, he said, what are you preaching on today? And I said, I'm preaching in 1 John. He goes, well, there's a lot of good verses in there. I said, there's a lot of tough verses in 1 John. The, the, the book of 1 John is challenging to people to have a relationship with God. Past what we're going to talk about today, if you have your Bible in front of you, I, I don't have it on the screen, but if you want to look in chapter 2, verse 19, I just want to show you that real quick. It talks about people that have left their churches. Okay, there's been a schism or a fracture in the church. A problem occurred. People got upset. Okay, whatever. There's, just, there's something going on. The author is trying to get across a way that they could stay together in their relationship instead of being separated in hard times. I don't know about you, but if I'm going through something hard in my life, this week, this week I was going through something that was pretty difficult for me. Maybe not for you, but for me, it was pretty difficult. And out of nowhere... I get a phone call from a buddy, doesn't live in this county, the northest part of the state, and he called me, he said, I just want to call you, tell you I was thinking about you, is there anything I can pray with you about? <laughs> Isn't it nice we get those like, right on time? You know, somebody used to say, well, God's never late. Yeah, well, he's never early either, okay? I'd like to have him early sometimes. But I got a phone call, and he said, man, all he did, all he did he said, I was just thinking about you. Is there anything I can pray with you about? I tell you what, if you've ever gotten one of those phone calls, having the type of week or day that I was having, it is like a breath of fresh air and sunshine in a winter day. It's just, ah. Oh. On Facebook, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people are saying, man, this cold weather's getting out. And then when we have a, we have a sunshine day, it's like, oh, the sun. It could be four degrees, but the sun's shining, and you go outside, and, oh, the sun. And people are ready for summer. I'll fight you against that one. I'm not a fan of 100 either. <laughs> if we get like 70 to 75, 80 if you want to go swimming, okay, we can make. <laughs> or we can just have more snow. No, okay, we're not going to cause a fight. First John 1.1, 1, 1, if you want to put that on the screen. It says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. I, lo I love this. Now listen, the author is coming to these people. Listen, there's people that are trying to teach them false things. We're not so different. You have people at your work that try to teach you false things every day. Or they allow an opportunity for you to follow something the wrong way. But they said, we proclaim. We're going to find out later. These, 
These people aren't just like, hey, I, I saw this on TV. These people that are writing these words in this book physically saw and touched the man, Jesus. Physically. And what they're saying is, they're coming back to these believers and they're having a, they're hearing false teachings. And they said, you know what? Listen to us. Listen to us. Because we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. It's a reference to John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was God. It also says in the beginning the word already existed. And the word was with God and the word was God. Now that's a whole lot of deepness. The main point is this. There's three points to the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God Holy Spirit. They're all different and they're all the same. I cannot fully explain that so you understand it, okay? If you can, no, never mind. You probably can't. So it goes on. It says, who, whom, have, whom we have heard and seen, we saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. We have seen Jesus. We have touched Jesus. This is referring to the people that have had eyewitness accounts with Christ. These are the people. Hey, listen. The, these people could have been attending the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, the, the famous things that happened in the Bible, all of Jesus doing what he, what he did. If these people followed Jesus everywhere, these very well could be the same people that sat under teachings daily from him. At the temple, on the side of a mountain, in the center of the town, in their yard, in their house. They have physically touched and seen him. John, the writer of the book, is one of those who saw Jesus and touched him. It doesn't get closer than this. Further in the verse says, he is the word of life. The word of life simply means that Jesus was and is our hope of salvation. Jesus became completely human and is our model for living a life for God. Connection. Mission statement. Part of it is that we live in love like Jesus. It goes on in verse 2. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. You're going to live in eternity. I promise. Eternity is not an option. Eternal life is not an option. You can't like opt out of it. Okay? You are going to die one day, unless Jesus comes back, but you're going to die one day, and you're going to spend eternity in heaven, or you're going to spend eternity in hell. I said that connection was culturally relevant. Nowhere, anywhere did I say connection was going to water down the gospel and the the true words of, of God. You will spend eternity in heaven, or you will spend it in hell. There are two ways to avoid hell. One, have a, have a relationship with Jesus Christ, spend eternity with him in heaven. The other one is to not ever die. Don't die. <laughs> Make a joke. That's the only two options. It goes on. It says, he was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. Again, the author, is, he's just validating this. Uh, what he's seen, what he saw was true. He's telling them that they can believe in what he's writing and telling them. Listen, the book 
1 John, was written, written by people, touched him, saw him, ate with him, hung out with him. It doesn't, it doesn't get closer than this. We're not talking about a book that was written 500 years after this stuff happened. What we're talking about is me, metaphorically, me telling you something that has physically happened in my life, something that I've touched, something that I've been. I can tell you personally what it is like to step onto the field at the Minneapolis Metrodome. I played baseball two times, two different weeks, in the Minneapolis Metrodome where the Minnesota Twins play. Okay? I have stepped on the field. I have touched the dirt. Believe me, I spent the first hour just going, wow, this is cool. I can physically tell you that because I've touched it. I've been there. I've, stu- I've stood there. I've sat there. I've played there. I know, what, I know what it is. It's the same thing. These people are not giving a, well, he said that she said that her brother's dad's uncle's sister saw it one time back in the day. Physically. It would be like your grandparents telling you something that happened to them when they were young. You weren't there. But they were. How about this? I meet with a man that mentors me almost every week. We've been meeting for almost four years, weekly, either by phone or in person. Each week, this person works with me in understanding things that will be valuable in my life. Sometimes, sometimes, I really enjoy what he says. Sometimes, I do not enjoy everything that he says. It's in the times that I don't enjoy and I must realize he is speaking from experience. Matt, I've been there. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. You should do more of this. I know, I know. I've been there. He has been where I've been. He has seen and witnessed others in the same positions I'm in. He has seen things play out. He has knowledge that I do not have. Wisdom. Some of his advice causes me to change how I think or how I could do something. Now you're blowing smoke. Really? Ask somebody that started to come to connection whenever I did and ask them if I'm any different. Please. And it's not because of me. It's because I have people putting into my life. That's something that connection will not stop doing. Just like these people had the opportunity to get mad and leave. 219. Remember we looked at that? Every week I sit down with this guy. He said, well, you could do this, 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 this. I have full rights as you do as American citizens. I can get up and walk out. Is it going to solve nothing? I I can get upset and leave because I didn't like what he said. Or... I can learn from him. You can get better or you can get bitter. You choose. Better or bitter. And I can learn from him knowing that he has the knowledge that will help me as a better leader. Listen, he has been there. These guys had been there. And they're coming to these people that are having these questions. And they said, listen, don't worry about what they're talking about. They have no idea what they're talking about. We saw him. We hung out with him. I mean, they they had to have stories. This guy over here, Jesus ate at his house. If these people were into sports memorabilia, it would be like, this dude's got Jesus' autograph on a baseball. He met him. 
Imagine Jesus playing baseball. That would be awesome. Sign him with the Cardinals. Which one would you choose? The easy road? You want to get mad, get leave, just, just leave? These people, some people did. Some, it's the easy way out. If you don't think that I'm telling you the truth, just watch. Or you can choose to take advice, realize that you could possibly do something a little bit better than you're doing it, and apply the teachings to your life. That's the hardest road to walk down. Saying I'm wrong pains some of us to the point that you would rather go to the hospital than say you were wrong. We go to the message map. You turn that message map page. I want to ask you a question. Will I be the person that God wants me to be? Will I let his light shine through me? Even if I need to change some things in my life. There is a whole lot there. Will you be the person that God wants you to be? Mm. Maybe we have somebody in our audience. And I'm speaking from a a worship standpoint. But maybe we have somebody in our worship that in in the, the, the world of music has some serious pipes. That means you can sing, okay? That's, that's the, that's the uh, explanation. But you can sing. Well, I'll be the person that God wants me to be. Maybe God wants you to share that gift. Maybe Matt wants you to share that gift, okay? He keeps going and says, will I let his light shine through me? You know what sometimes we are? Sometimes we can open up and let God shine right through us, and the other time we wrap ourselves in one of these black curtains and we don't want anybody to see in. Matt, if they saw the real me, they'd never want to hang around, around me again. Why don't you show them how God has changed you? Why don't you say, I'm going to be the person that God wants me to be? See, I told you, Lee had never even heard of my message, what I was going to talk about. And he said, I want to give God everything that he's given me. I want to be the person that he uses. That's called affirmation. Even if I need to change some things in my life. There's not a perfect person here. Welcome. It goes on in verse 3. We proclaim to you what we ourselves actually have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share in our joy. I don't think that when they wrote these words, they wrote like this. We proclaim to you that what we've actually seen happened, and we want you to share in our joy. Wow, they would have like zero followers. Okay, this, wasn't, this wasn't a single person. This was a group of people that had had their lives absolutely renovated by the teachings and the application of Jesus. They did not, I don't even, I bet that they couldn't wait to get this out of their mouth. I had a guy talk to me on Facebook this week. He told me this, in a nutshell. I'm not going to tell you who it is because you might know him. But he said, in the last three or four months, God has changed me more than I knew that I could ever be changed. (laughs) I was in our, 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 our kitchens here and all the bedrooms, and then there's our laundry room, and then there's my little room that I hang out in a lot. It's got my computers and my guitar and my gearheads and things. I was hanging out there, 
And I was checking Facebook, and I read that. And he said, in the last three or four months, I cannot express to you how much that God has changed my life. I didn't say, oh, good, I'm glad. I said, woo! That's awesome. You allowed God. Now, wait a minute. This guy allowed change to come in. He shared with me about his past. Guess what? We've all got one. Guess what he allowed God to do? God comes into your life and he says, you know what? Behind this line is your past, and I don't care about that. We all have one. We have a video that we show here at church sometimes that says, at Connection, we are not concerned in where you've been at all. But we are very, very excited on where you're going. God enters this guy's life. Holy cow. They said, we are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Let me ask you a question. Where does your joy come from? Hmm. Where does your joy come from? I enjoy playing with my kids. Great. I enjoy playing sports. Awesome. I enjoy cooking. Good. I enjoy entertaining people in my house. Great. Our joy should give way to those things, but it should start with a relationship with God, the Father, and the Holy Ghost, and His Son, Jesus Christ. There is joy. There's joy. Listen, I lead worship every Sunday that I'm not preaching, for the most part. And sometimes, from this perspective, I can see people that are not expressing joy. It's very easy to see people that have joy. I mean, there's people like, whoa, I love this song. And then there, there's people that, whew, is he done? See, I can say that because I'm not preaching that Sunday. <laughs> joy. Who outside of your immediate family knows that you have joy, if you, even if you have it? You go to work just... I'm not going to have a good day. I'm not going to have a good day. Here's this. You're welcome. Have a good day. You just. <clears throat> I had to check myself the other day. I was walking across the parking lot. Guess what my attitude was? <clears throat> not happy. Did not have a good day. Did not have a good morning. Nothing was going correctly in my world. And I got to the door and I sit and I got my hand on that knob. And it, I'm not telling you that I heard the voice of God, okay? But his Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said this. You better not go in that door as an assistant manager of this place and expect your employees to act any different than what you are. I said, you know what? I'm sorry. And I sat outside the back door of our business and I asked God, I said, just change my heart. Just change the way that I'm acting. I'm sorry. Maybe you have the exact opposite. Does anybody, do not raise hands, please. Does anybody know anybody that you think is just too happy? Oh, yeah. Oh, they're happy. Oh, yeah. They just smile about everything. Everything they put on Facebook is, my life is perfect. I don't know if, you, if, if anybody ever has heard the comedian Mark Lowry. Yeah, it's funny. But he talks about his alarm clocks. And he, and he talked about he talked about this, that he has a perfect brother. If you've heard this, just easy. 
But he has a perfect brother. Okay, he, he goes, my brother has a perfect wife. She's beautiful and the perfect car and the house and the perfect kids. And he even has a perfect alarm clock. He goes, when his alarm clock goes off, it goes. He goes on to say that wouldn't wake him out of a daydream. He goes, some days I need my alarm clock to go, eh. Do you know somebody that's just too happy? Have you ever asked your question, what do they do all day to be that happy? What's wrong with them? Or do you catch yourself saying this? I bet they have the best life ever. It's perfect. It's perfect. They don't have any problems. I would hope that people see happy emotions. When our kids hit home runs, or they score touchdowns, or they pin their opponents on the mat, or they get an A on a math test that they've been studying for. But as a church, the people of this world will see true happiness in the midst of our trials. Son scores a touchdown. He walked into work the next day. <laughs> Son scored a touchdown. What if he got in trouble or he is addicted to something else that's not godly or that's not good of this life? That same guy walks into work just, just dragging. But that same guy can change his whole attitude if he walks into work and he says, I'm going to lift my son up in prayer. And I'm just going to pray that one day God shows him the examples around him and that he can lift his life out of this stuff that he's in. Living and loving like Jesus is not a six flags experience every day. Let me tell you what it really is. Jesus said this, not in these words, in the, in the New Testament. He said, you know what? If you want to live in love like me, it's not all games. It's messy. It's messy. Because Jesus didn't go hang out with the people that had it all together. No. He went to, in our world, he went to the bars. He went to the other, the, where people have struggle with this, or they struggle with that. He went to the people that didn't have any hope, and he gave it to them. You want to talk about people having joy. There's a story in the Bible about a man who never walked in his entire life. And Jesus came by and he healed the man. And the Bible says that he jumped up. And in my paraphrase, it says that he didn't be quiet. That he, it said that he just took off towards the town, just yelling and screaming about what, it, what, it, what it had just happened. That is joy. You want to have joy? How about this? Think about the last thing that God you, you were struggling with, man. It was hard in your life. And slowly but surely, God brought you joy out of that. He brought you back into his life. Is it easy to smile when life hurts? No. That's the answer. No. But if we have a relationship with Christ, you have hope. You have a future. For that, should contain joy. We go to the next message, Matt. Blank. 
You have that fill it out. It says, where does my joy come from? I just asked you that. I want you to read this this coming week, this message map, and think, man, where does my joy come from? I have been asked this. Okay, person, sharing a personal thing. Somebody asked me, Matt, why do you always seem like you've had way too much coffee when you lead worship on stage? They physically asked me. And at first, I was kind of taken back, and I just kind of made a joke about it. I said, oh, I, I said, I just love playing music. Let me tell you why I really thought about that. When I get to do worship, when I get to lead worship, when I get to lead a team of, of people that just give everything that they have, I'm reminded of where I used to be. And now, that God has brought me out of that. Man, I, I could go, I could just speak for hours on things that God has brought me out of. But Matt, you were the kid that had the perfect life. Your dad's a preacher. Your grandpa was a preacher. Your other grandpa was a deacon. You've been in church since before you were born three times a week. Guess what? I have a past. Now we can be friends. I was in a well and I couldn't look up to see light. I have been down some roads that I don't even wish, I would wish on my worst enemies. And God has brought me out of that. So why am I happy? <laughs> why do I have joy when I get to lead worship and I get to see people worship a God? Because I know the same God that they are worshiping and worship is the one that drug me up out of that well. And he grabbed a hold of me by my back seat or my shirt or my collar or my hand and he drug me out of that. He said, you keep your eyes on me, son, and I'll take care of you. That is joy. I get emotional. Yeah, I get emotional. You should, you should hear my story sometimes, if you have time. God brings joy. That's the type of joy. Listen, these people's lives were changed just like that. They had come. They were tax collectors. They were, they were mean people to the Jews. And Jesus, just in those people, Jesus changed the way that they thought. And they walked out of their house and they treated people with a different attitude. So much, in fact, that the people that they were acting that way to said, is this the same person? That's how God transforms. <laughs> oh, when I got that email, that Facebook message from that guy, and he said, in the last four months, God has changed my life more than I could ever imagine. I did not say, yippee. My heart exploded because I knew where I had been and I could relate to him. What joy. <laughs> 1 John 1.5. This is the message we heard from Jesus. Again, stating that they heard this come from his mouth. If you were there, would you still doubt that it came from Jesus? They've only said that they've heard from Jesus like eight times already. Five verses. We've heard this from Jesus. We've heard this from Jesus. How many of us would still doubt it? I mentioned earlier that I played baseball in college. I got that opportunity. That's great. My dad once, one time asked me, he said, who's the, who's the best baseball player you've ever seen play? Ozzie Smith. He's a Hall of Famer. Mike Schmidt. Arguably one of the best third basemen of all time. And he just 
smoked me with this argument. He goes, well, I got to see Roberto Clemente play. Now, to some of you, Roberto Clemente is somebody out in, no, he didn't play left. But anyway, (laughs) some of you got that. Now, (laughs) Roberto Clemente played for the Pittsburgh Pirates, one of the most phenomenal outfielders ever play. Now, my dad shares with me what he did when he, when he saw him play and how he would go for fly balls and just looked effortless and he had an arm and it was just incredible. I've never seen Roberto Clemente because he died in a plane crash way before I was born. I've never seen Roberto Clemente play, but I believed him because my dad sat in the outfield bleachers and sat behind and watched Clemente play the outfield. He was there. Did he touch him? No, but he saw him. And he was there, and he witnessed it physically. The verse goes on, And now declare to you that God is light. There is no darkness in him at all. What's with the light bulb video and what's with the DC talk in the light? It's right here. God is portrayed as light throughout Scripture. In God, there is absolutely, positively, zero darkness. Satan is the one who wants to get you alone. Satan is the one that pushes you into the closet of darkness. Satan is the one that in the morning, when you say, man, I want to let my light shine for God, Satan is the one that gets the black curtain, and he says, here's your option for today. Go ahead and wrap up in it. Satan deals with the unknown, with the dark, with the past. God says that he is the light and there's no darkness in him. God wants you to bring your pain and hurt to the light so you can help you heal. Would you like to take a guess on what the difference is between healing that comes from darkness and healing that comes from light? It's not close. Healing happens in the light. When you bring your stuff to the light. When I brought my stuff to God and said, God, I'm done with this. I cannot do this anymore. I'm tired of treating people the way that I treat people. I'm tired of talking the way that I talk. I'm tired of being addicted to the things that I'm addicted to. I need you to take it. I want the joy. I want what you have for me. I want done with it. He said, well, you're going to have to come into the light and let me heal you. And he put people in my life that, how about this? They didn't talk down to me. Sometimes they didn't talk to me. Sometimes they had their arm around me so I could hobble against them metaphorically in this life. Sometimes it was God himself, I think, that physically carried me through some of the times in my life. There is no darkness in God at all. The next message map says, God is light. Satan deals with darkness. Satan's goal is to get you into the dark places in life. God desires to bring your hurts to the light so that he can help you heal. My wife and I have the extreme pleasure and privilege to have some of your children in our house when we meet for Connect Group. It is an absolute blast. We love them. We go through a youth Bible study that's called Life Hurts, God heals. One of the most profound, most unbelievable, incredible sayings I have ever heard in my entire life is this. Never waste a hurt. When God heals you from that, listen, I've been healed from some things. things. And I find it absolutely incredible that sometimes God moves people right through that door to come into connection. That are on a divine beeline towards me and when I shake their hand or I get to know them and I find out that you know what we shared some of the same past 
I tell people quite regularly, there is, I don't believe, I'm not trying to have a contest, but I don't think that there's a person that struggles with anything that couldn't walk through Connections Door and find someone that can relate to them. I don't think that, I don't think that exists. From my personal encounter with people, the person that I've talked to, I'm not going to share their stories with you because it's none of your business, unless you're involved with them. But he goes on in verse 6. He says, so if we are lying, so we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. The author is challenging the people who said that they had fellowship with God. But they challenged the way that they acted. Are you acting like you have? Maybe you're a believer here and you have light inside you, but you've been so caped up in darkness that you can't let it go. You can't let it shine. They were doing things that were sinful, controlled by spiritual darkness. The Greek meaning for living and not changed how they acted means to be occupied, to be occupied. Hmm. We all sin, but we who are followers of Jesus can repent. Maybe you're here this morning. Because your life's occupied. The last thing that God wants you to do is to stay hidden. Man, I've dealt with this for 20 years. (laughs) Okay. We're talking about dealing with a person that spoke mountains into existence. 20 years is really not a big deal. You're talking to a guy that has been where you've been. Verse 7. It says, if we are living in the light as God is in the light. Uh, I love that song. In the light. DC Talk. I want to be in the light as you are in the light. I want to shine like a star in the heavens. But they go on. It says, oh Lord, be my guide and be my salvation. Because all I want is to be in the light. Now, here comes a hard question. Do you want to be in the light? No, Matt, it's too easy to stay hidden. Absolutely. And just keep having those good days. Well, being a Christian is not all unicorns and candy. No, it's not. It's messy. Promise. Do you want to be the person that God wants you to be? If you answered yes to your, in your mind's eye, I want you to pay attention to this. Are you willing to let Jesus bring change into your life so that you can get there? Whoa, whoa, no, no. I'm not talking about admitting that I'm wrong. Okay, listen. Are you willing to be the person that God wants you to be? Next question. Are you willing to let Jesus bring change to your life so you can get there? verse goes on and says, then we have fellowship with each other. We begin to feel the significance of being with other followers of Jesus. We recognize that they impact our lives to continue living and loving like Jesus and comes through fellowship. Fellowship. It's not something of the past. What did the people do in Jesus' day when they were, they were first starting out? 
This is a whole lot different than our church today. It says they would gather weekly, they would read scripture, and that they would sing. Hmm. Hmm. Fellowship. They got together. I want to put a challenge out to some of you today. Some of you have been with us for a long time and you've never been a part of a connect group. Listen to me. I never knew that I could get that close to other people outside of my family. I would trust some of them with my life. My kids love going to Monday night small group. Emma knows that the day after church, that's today, the day after church is tomorrow, she knows that Monday night is connect group night. She knows it. She, I guarantee you she knows it. She goes, Dad, is it, is it Sunday? We're going to church today? Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. I said, what? Tomorrow's connect group. And she loves coming here. She loves the kids. But let me tell you something. It doesn't just affect us. It doesn't affect my wife and I only. So our girls are growing up understanding that fellowship is a big deal. You want to get close and have God change your life? I dare you to come to Connect Group. With that said, we meet the first three weeks, not this, not this week, we don't meet. The first three weeks of a month, we meet in a Connect Group. I, da- I dare you. Go see if it's not fun. So people, our neighbors come up to us all the time. I saw you had all those cars outside of your house again Sunday. How many kids do you have in there? I don't know how many, many show up. Well, what's the most you've ever had in there? I said, well, it's not about numbers. What's the most you've ever had in there? And they won't quit. I'm like, 35. What? You have 35 people in your house? What does it look like after they leave? Awful. <laughs> I'm joking. Do they get your house messy? Yes. Really? You have to clean before and after? Yes. I mean, our house is pretty noticeable because if it's a Sunday and we have a big party, then our trash can lid won't shut because there's so much trash from the kids over at our house. And adults come over to our house. And we have kids come up to us that have, that have been a part of that, and they say to us, I love coming over to your house and hanging out. This is really cool. Do we do it because they say it's really cool? No. We do it because we're trying to be what God wants us to be. Create an environment that they can have a relationship and fellowship so that one day, listen, like some of the kids in our youth group right now are going to be the leaders someday. I get the privilege and honor to watch them grow. Isn't that awesome? Oh, connect group's not a big deal. Really? You come and talk to my youth group about connect groups not being a big deal. But when we study life first, God heals as a group, and we dig in. Listen, it is messy. Not, my, not just my house. We get involved in real life. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite parts of this verse goes on. It says, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. All. There's not one left out. But I suffer from drug abuse. I don't care. Alcohol abuse, I don't care. Anger, pornography, I don't care. Murder, slander, gossip, theft, speeding. I don't care. 
Because it says the blood of His Son Jesus cleanses us from all sin. This is coming from people that physically touched Jesus. And they come to these people and they say, it doesn't matter where you've been. But it matters on where you're going. Familiar. The next one in your message map says this. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. You can't do anything to take God away from you. Matt, I've done this and 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 I've done this. Hey, I'm not the judge on any of this, but based on what I'm reading with people that have, that have met and talked with Jesus, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Why? Because God said so. He sent His only Son to die on a cross for you. If He didn't, or if He lied, we have no hope. But there's over, there's over 500 people that have seen Jesus after he, rose from, after he was raised from the dead. And the Bible says that Jesus ate. Here's the big kicker. Ghosts tend not to eat. Because they don't have to. The next verse says, 1, 1, 8 and 9, says, If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. You're only fooling yourself. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. Isaiah 5.21 What sorrow it was for the old Matt to think, man, I had it all together. I'm so good. I've got so many people fooled. They didn't know that internally I was an absolute wreck. Verse 9 goes on. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Some of your Bibles may say from all unrighteousness. Confess your sins to God. He will make... Ah, you're going to hear these, song, these words pretty soon later in the, in the year. But God makes all things not better. He makes them new. Brand new. Not an updated model of the, that you already have. No, no, no. New. Well, we got a better steering wheel on this. No. New. God makes everything new. The last one. Verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Here's the deal. We're, realizing that we're not realizing that we're sinful. And we have done things that are wrong. That's what we're doing. The last two words on your message map go like this. It said, God desires a relationship with you. God desires a relationship with you. Here's the whole gist of this real fast. These gentlemen or people came to this group of believers that were having a little bit of trouble. They, maybe they were getting tossed around by life. And these people came up to them with joy and assurance that they had seen and they had heard Jesus. He was real. What he said mattered. It made them new. It changed them. And they were reiterating this throughout Scripture that God desires a relationship with you. 
God is asking some of you today to begin a relationship with him. I am not going to speak magic words, but in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to accept that. Some of you today, you say, I don't know what it's like to be a believer. Hey, becoming a believer does not mean you have all the right questions or you have all the right answers. Becoming a believer knows that you know the right person. If you want to, in a minute, I'm going to have it. I'm going to have everybody bow their heads. And in a minute, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pray. And this prayer is for somebody that may be over here in this well where I was. And they have no hope and life has just knocked them around. You said, Matt, I've tried everything. I've tried drugs, I've tried alcohol, I've tried everything put in my life, and it will not fulfill the void that I have in. They don't have the relationship. All this is going to do is say, God, I want to have a relationship with you. That's it. I want you to change me. I want you to make me a new creation. I want you to make all things new in my life. He does not ever say, I'm going to make all your problems go away. That's a lie. He says, I will make you the person, if you allow me to, the person that I want you to be. A person with purpose. If we can, just bow our heads. If you want to become a believer today, I just ask that you just pray this. In your, God knows your heart. Just say, dear God, I believe that you are who you say you are. God, and I just ask right now that you come into my life. I realize that I've done some things that are bad and that are wrong. And I ask you to forgive me for my sin. I want to have a relationship with you, God. Come into my life and change me. Make me brand new. In your name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, front part of your message map, okay? On this line over here, it says, other, say that you, we just, just want to contact you, get a hold of you, talk with you about having that relationship with you. Just, just fill that out, write a little note on it, put your name, contact information, drop it in that box back there. We're not going to make a production about it. We're not going to put it on Facebook, okay? It's between you and God. We have the. All right. 290 dollars. You have to forgive me. I taught PE, not math, so I think that's right. Some of you are awake. I'm gonna have uh, Jack Bain and Jessica Labor. Would you come here? Would you guys give these away? It shows you everything that you need to do. So I'm going uh, to have a prayer here in a minute, but here's the deal. 290 bucks <laughs> divided two ways, 144 and 146. Here's the deal. Mary and I have been in situations where somebody walked up to us and gave us five bucks before, and I can honestly tell you that it was a big deal. Five bucks to anybody can be a big deal. But these two are going to go out and they're going to bless two different families. 144 and 146 dollars. 
Why? Absolutely only honor God. That's it. To let people realize that we care. That's it. No strings attached. Last night, I appreciate you being here this morning. I appreciate you. Your attention. If you don't think relationships matter, I, I grabbed a guy that I'm really close to in this church this morning. And I said, I want you to come with me. I want you to check out the newest the newest member of First Impressions. First Impressions is our greeting team. They help clean up. They help do this. Help greet you when you come in. Newest member of the cleaning crew in First Impressions. I'm not going to embarrass anybody to tell who it was, but there was a girl under the age of 10 running a vacuum cleaner in the hallway. It just blew me away. That kids grasp the idea of becoming all that God wants them to be by serving and living and loving like Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, we thank you so much for letting us be here this morning. God, we thank you for the music. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you, that you just provide examples throughout Scripture that we can live by today. God, that you are ageless, that you are timeless. God, and as we go out, let, let there have... Let there be a song in our heart, God, and join our mind and off of our lips. God, that we have a great day. We're going to encounter that person at lunch. God, I just ask that we be that light. As you are in the light, God, let us shine like a star in the heaven for you. God, we thank you for connection. God, we thank you for this building. We thank you for these people. God, more importantly, we thank you for the promise that if we, if we ask you, God, through the blood of your son, that you can cleanse all of our sin and make everything new. God, we thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.